0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of the Systems Wealth Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, a friend, someone I consider to be a mentor and a big inspiration to my life, Clay Ratterman. Clay, thank you so much for joining me today, my friend.
1: Thank you, Noah. I'm pumped to be here and for Noah's future audience that will be listening. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm, I've been so excited for for you to start this podcast, so I can't wait.
0: I appreciate it, man. And you've obviously been a huge support so far and have talked me through uh, a lot of the challenges, which we're definitely going to get into today. Us both being entrepreneurs, creators, you know, just being that sort of uh, that type, you know, I think we relate on a lot of the issues that we run into sometimes. So, you know, we're definitely able to to help each other and relate and and work that way through. But um, where I want to start is just a little bit of a background of kind of your like story up until this point, like, you know, how you let's start with like college, because I know. Um, your story with walking on in Ohio State is obviously a big part of who you are and, and sort of your story up until this point. So yeah, let's start there and then kind of just detail to where you are and what you're working on right now.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll try to to tie in the career and personal life stuff as, as much as I possible and keep it uh, fairly succinct. But I grew up in Ohio. Um, I basically, uh, I spent most of, my, most of my life in Ohio, at least from sixth grade on um, to to college really. And I played football as my main sport. Uh, But in high school, I actually didn't, uh, I didn't start on my football team until I was a senior in high school. So I I wasn't actually a starter until I was a senior. Yep. Um, Up until that point, though, I, I would say like as a kid growing up, very good athlete crushing it, hit high school, I was smaller than most of the other people. um, And so I had trouble in, in early high school in sports, and then, you know, kept at it, I think I developed a good work ethic in the weight room because mm-hmm. I was so much smaller than everybody. Yep. Um. So got pretty fortunate. Uh, my yeah. My senior year of high school to do to do well uh, in football and started to get that um, a little bit of interest from college teams. It was like. It, it wasn't anything crazy it was like maybe d2 or d1 AA. And what were you
0: playing were you a linebacker were you just like
1: what well, i forget what. Uh, i was playing corner so oh, you're I playing actually, corner okay i played receiver and i couldn't start there because uh there were some other good receivers on our team of course um and i just yeah i couldn't break that that barrier and so i i was like what am i going to do right. switch to corner uh and then ultimately decided that I was done with football after high school. Yep. Um, I just didn't have, like, none of the teams that were were reaching out to me were, like, anything that really interested me. I'm the type of person, like, if I'm going to do something I need to do, it. I want to do it at the highest possible level. Of course. Not just, you know, do it for, this, uh, you know, the sake of doing it. So <clears throat> I've always wanted to go to Ohio State. I actually was, um, I was deferred uh, from the school, which means, like, you didn't, I applied for the early Acceptance mm-hmm. uh, didn't get in. Yeah, and then after I was deferred, they actually waitlisted me. So I was okay. deferred and waitlisted. So I barely, the final day of my senior year, get a letter. Barely get accepted. To wow. Okay. Doing. Like, wow. uh, like, I was probably the last person to be accepted that year. Yeah. Um, like, quite literally, it was on the last day they could accept people. So uh that was wild um i did i always did well in school so it wasn't like i you know didn't do well it's just very competitive environment of course um make it to school went to ohio state um actually didn't even make it into my major i tried to study finance uh wasn't accepted in the major originally no way. As well. wow um so that's a whole thing in college you have to get accepted into the major which is uh yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, why am I paying for this? You guys won't even let me learn. What I'm <laughs> to learn. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm in school, and it's my freshman year, and my grandpa, who's like my biggest supporter growing up in sports, um, he has cancer at the time, and he's like a massive Ohio State football fan, and he actually really wanted me to go to a different school and to continue playing football. Okay, yeah. Um, so he actually like my freshman year was 2014 in in college and Ohio state wins the national championship that year. Yeah. So I'm sitting there as a student just like, dude, first of all, my first year in college, we win the national championship. Right. Right. That's awesome. But I was actually really disappointed because I was like, there was a part in me that felt like I could be that like like I could be out there I should be out there oh. playing I, I could be a part of the team yeah and I yeah. couldn't get rid of that feeling and at the same time my grandpa entered hospice care which is like when you're on the last leg of of your life and so I made him a promise like bedside right before he passed away I was like private just the two of us I was like hey <clears throat> I know you've always wanted me to go on and play in college I'm gonna walk on at Ohio State so I told wow. him that he passed away about a week and a half, two weeks later. And I was the only one that knew that I made that promise. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's like, once you do that, you're like, like, I didn't even work. I didn't even, I tried to, to walk on after that, but there was no like process. I had no clue how to do it. I'm an off the streets walk. On, I had no connections. It yeah. wasn't like I knew anybody on the team. Right. It was like completely just foreign. So I did everything I could to get around the facility. Like that was like step one. It's like, oh, maybe I can go get around the facility. Yeah. Uh, So I started like walking around. I I tried to email a bunch of people. I found there was like a fastest students race at Ohio State. Yep. And it was put on by the football team. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, maybe this is like a way to like impress them. Um, So I did that the first year and I I made it to the finals and then I lost. Which was a bummer.
0: Were you like working out and training at this, like during oh, this yeah. time? Just I, like, that's just you.
1: That's just the way that since, you are. Since eighth grade, ninth right. grade, I actually, yeah, I would say freshman and sophomore year, I hated working out. Yeah. Um, Cause I was so small compared to everyone in week. But then junior and senior year and ever since then, I've probably been working out 15.
0: For anyone watching the video right now, you can see Clay's shoulders and the way that he's built. But him in person, <laughs> he's got some big arms, guys. It's no joke. It's for real. I appreciate that. <laughs> we, we hit arms a couple times a yes, week no, but,
1: uh, Basically, at that point in school, like I literally had no idea. This was the first big win in my life because okay. this really like this really let me know. I mean, I would say that senior year of high school, like having a lot of success in football meant a lot to me because again, it was something I, I definitely manifested. Right. Um, and I had to work really hard for, but this was the first time in my life that I did something that I didn't know was possible for myself. Everybody you talked to back then would have been like, Oh, he's not going to, like if you, if I would have said, I'm going to play football at Ohio state, everyone would be like, Oh yeah, sure. Dude. Right. Like there's, it's the top 1% of, of athletes and, uh, yeah, it's a top school and all this stuff. There's yep. hundred yep. less than a hundred spots. So, and I'm off the streets, just like at the school. So basically, um, I continue on, do the fastest student rates, lose, go back, do the fastest student race the next year, and I actually win. And I'm like, no oh yeah, way. this is my chance. Yeah. And then it doesn't do anything. So oh, then I'm no. like, well, that didn't help. <laughs> um. Finally, I figure out that there's a tryout at Ohio State. The towards the tail end of uh, or it's actually sorry, it's coming up in August is a weird August tryout. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my luck I, I took a job at Rogue if anyone knows at Rogue, yeah, Fitness, Rogue Fitness, is. Fitness of course. Um, I took a job at Rogue. They're actually headquartered in Columbus. I I didn't know that. I took that job because one, it sounded awesome. and I loved working out. Right. But two, because then I got access to their private gym that I just grinded in all summer. Nice. So so I knew when the tryout date was, uh, or I knew when the tryout range was like, sometime in August was what the person told me. Right. That's all I needed to know. I was like, there's a potential chance that you're telling me there's an open tryout. Like (laughs) I'm going to blow their minds when I get to this thing right so what a lot of people screw up with these with trying to walk on places is they they don't realize what they're being tested on it's not like you're showing up and doing a football practice it has nothing to do with your football skills Mm. anyway it has everything to do with your how you look genetic potential how fast you are your 40 yard dash your side like all your like almost like an NFL combine type stats, right? That's what they're looking at. They have no idea if you're good at football or not. (laughs) And so I'm preparing for that over and over. And I have a weird scenario where my brother and I get accepted to be on the TV show, American Ninja warrior. It's the same summer. The date of our filming for American Ninja Warrior is the same date as the tryout.
0: No way, dude! The day
1: I'm supposed to fly out to L. A. to Hollywood to film the show—right, literally the day I'm flying out—that they they already booked the tickets for me—is the same day as the tryout. Man, but (laughs) and life is weird like that. Like, honestly, the story is—I'm leaving out a lot of parts. Yeah, um, of course, for the sake of time, but story is very interesting basically i i just lied to the producers on the tv show my grandpa's promise obviously meant a lot more than me a lot yep. more than me so i just lied to the producers bought my own <laughs> flight that was a red eye like through the night to get out there wow after the tryout no so I went way try out wow and i crushed Dude. it at the first tryout the first right. tryout was like i, I ran a four five forty like hit all the marks whoa that I to hit Jeez. and um and I didn't make the team. So oh, no, it, they, they like basically didn't, they didn't accept anyone at that particular tryout. They, they didn't have roster spots. So I don't even know why. I think maybe they had to hold one for hmm. some reason. Yep. Um, But a friend of mine from high school that played football with me there actually was also at the tryout and he had this weird connection. He almost had like an in and that person told him, Hey, we don't have roster spots, but come back. I'm going to reach out to to this other kid specifically, um, to try to get him on in the winter time. So I basically at that point, uh, thought it was over. Like I thought I was too old. I was getting too old into college. I was, I just had gone on American Ninja warrior. We did, we did well. I mean, we didn't win the show or anything, but we did fine, but I just, I felt like crap after that because mm-hmm. it was just like, I worked so hard for all this stuff and nothing right. really like when you're back in your apartment and all the excitement's over and you try, like you kind of did the thing you're trying to do and you didn't achieve the result. It's a very deflating feeling. Of course. Um, and the only thing I could do at that time was just keep like, I, I wasn't even working in the sense of like, I think I'm going to make it next time. It was just like, all I know how to do is work at this point. So I'm just right. going to keep working.
0: Yep. Put your head down. And, keep working.
1: And, and yeah, it wasn't like exciting. Like I was very like depressed for like a little period of time there. It wasn't like rah, rah, this is a good, it was just, this is my life and I just work like that's There's literally what yeah. the result came back to for sure. Uh, and so a couple months later, <clears throat> life is also weird. Like I almost gave up on it. I I basically did give up on it and the idea of what I thought it was going to be at least. Right. And then randomly get a text message from a friend that said, Hey, uh, it was like a picture of like Ohio state football tweeted out. They're going to have a random pop-up tryout in the winter. And I was like, no way, <laughs> so and, and I almost missed the meeting for it. It was that like he sent it to me that day, and had I not seen that, I wouldn't have made it in time. Oh, wow, okay. I had to leave class. I just left class and ran to the facility. I
0: love it. I love uh, it.
1: So I left class, ran <laughs> to the facility, get signed up for it, do the tryout. I obviously did worse because I wasn't like as prepared as the first time. Of course. Um, and I actually I still ran the four or five, which was helpful, and Dude, then crazy the yeah, and then I actually. Even that time, I'm walking out of the building, didn't make it like they take your slip of paper. And like, if they take your slip of paper, that means they want to talk to you after okay. they had held back maybe two, three people. Right. And, you know, there's probably a hundred there or something like that. And so those two to three people, they, they had held them back to, to talk to them, but they didn't hold me back. So they okay. were like, I was dismissed to leave. As I was leaving to walk off the field, I'm like, I'm heated because I know I had better numbers than all these other people. And I'm like, this is like a personal attack at this (laughs) point. And I'm walking off to the sideline and the safeties coach stops me and pulls me aside completely from everyone else. And I was like, because the main guy that makes the decision was the walk-on coordinator at the time. And he wouldn't have taken me. 100% wouldn't have taken me. Okay, This specific person took me outside of everybody else had it not been for him his name's matt thank god for matt he's like Dude, one of my to people matt. to this day big time had it not been for him uh, i w- would not have made the team Too um so made it that time <laughs> had a crazy journey we became big 10 champions uh, a lot of cool stuff happened cotton Bowl champions had an amazing experience playing for ohio state after that um but that experience in my life definitely formed I mean, first of all, there's so many hard things you go through during football, right. but to reach that point, I realized like, I almost realized a lot about life and how things happen and the way things work and manifesting different things and of course. how they pan out. It never works how you think it is. It's never. always different. You never ask for enough. There's so many lessons that I took from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to catch you up to today, left college, had a finance degree. I actually graduated in the top 1% of my class in finance. So Uh, For them not letting me into the major, (laughs) we we, we escaped and made it out uh, on a good note. Um, So left there, didn't want to work in finance, which is funny because I'm back in it now. Uh, (laughs) Wanted to just work on my own stuff in the startup world. Started a bunch of failed startups. Nothing worked. Uh, Ran out of money. Had to take a job. That brought me to Austin, Texas. Yep. Uh, Took a job at Oracle. Um, Had my first success uh, with a friend of mine in business who was a financial services company, uh, that we grew pretty quickly. That while I was there, we grew up from zero to around 6.5 million in sales uh in the first year, year Insane. and a quarter. Um, crazy. So that was a, a first good success under the books. Um, I didn't have equity in that company, which yep. is looking yep. back, I was like the the second person on. Uh and yeah, I should have definitely structured things differently or, or worked that differently. But honestly, everything works out how it's supposed to in the end. Always. All so right. left that company, started another company um, and did about, yeah, I did. I'm trying to think. The second company that I started, the marketing company. Um, this is not you know, about, it, right? Yeah, I did over six figures with uh, in my first year of business with mm-hmm. that company. Um, and then went on to start a software company that I'm working on now. And honestly, I've gotten into so many different things. I've been raising capital for, um, some investment funds, hedge funds, things like that. And then working with Noah on some things, yep. built software. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I split my time very strategically yep. and I'm, I'm in the phase of life right now still. Where I haven't uh, on purpose, I'm I'm t- tasting a lot of things. If that makes
0: sense, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, what I love about you is like you you say those things like it's so casually. Like I started this business and where I was involved in this, we grew up to six and a half million, and then I went and started this other business and did six figures, and now I'm working on this software. Like you are, you're someone that I've always admired with your energy. You are someone that really does live and breathe like the law of reciprocity, where you just you give so much value. And like that, it's just why you find magic in your life. Like I've been able to witness what like you the, as well. It's well, I, I like, it.
1: that's, that's why we connect so much. Of course,
0: hundred percent. And I want to go back a little bit to like your experience as an athlete, like, and it's something that I take and I hold very dearly, like being a walk-on at Oregon, same sort of deal. Like I had a similar experience of a belief in yourself that nobody else can see, like having a vision that nobody else really sees. Like, I think that is, you know, sports teach you just so much about Leadership and teamwork and working when nobody else is watching and like putting in that extra effort, like all that yeah. good stuff. So it's that, but it's also the the magic of being prepared for an opportunity that doesn't necessarily exist yet. Like putting in that work and putting your head down and grinding with yes. no real like idea of what this is going to turn into. Because what I tell myself a lot, and what I've told a lot of people that like I either a coach or just consulting with, is like the projects that you're working on right now, the things that you're doing right now, are like are preparing you for opportunities to work with like on a project that doesn't even exist yet with people that you haven't even met yet with like skills that you've yet to cultivate, like just putting yeah. in that work and, and like those opportunities come, there's a certain, there's a Winston Churchill quote that I'll pull up sometime, but it's like, it's so sad to, you know, have an opportunity come to somebody and they're not prepared for it. And you can't really write that stuff, but like, yeah, just, I th- I, it's, it's something that, that just the way that you are wired. And it's something that I really, really admire about you.
1: Dude, The the unknown, like that, I think you put it so beautifully, like, Like you're putting in work, but and a lot of times people like they they see something that they want in life and then they don't know how it's possible that that thing could happen, like they don't know the steps to get to that thing, right? And so they don't think that it's going to be possible for them and then they don't do anything, of course. Whereas if you live the opposite, where you're like, I see the thing that I I want, I have no clue how it's going to happen, but I'm just going to start today by putting in a lot of effort and I'm just going to keep putting in effort and hopefully that thing will somehow make its way to me. That right. usually works way better.
0: A hundred percent. But like people stopped so yeah. early before seeing any results. Like, I think that's, it's like, for me, it was always, I could at least like see a person in my life that like, well, first it's like, you know, knowing sort of what you want, which is obviously a really difficult question to even like step into. But like, if I can mm-hmm. see that there's a person out there that has what I want or is living an idea of like what I think could be possible, then I can at least like start to extract or I can find a mentor or invest or do something that is going to put me on that path. But it's like, yeah, what's so difficult about, especially just getting started is like, it takes, sometimes it takes a little while for the world to catch up to your work and your momentum. And it's like, yes. it's always like, you know, you have the shift internally before like the physical reality ever catches up to you. It's the way it
1: always is, but- it, like, It's like the compound interest effect yes. where, where it's like, if you, do, if you do everything today, if you do like- Let's say we're doing outreach for business, right? Right. Say we send a hundred emails today and a hundred tomorrow and a hundred the next day. We do a hundred for the next month. What's crazy about life is that we might get no results and then we quit. Yeah. But then seven months later, one of those emails (laughs) responds back to you and you don't even have that business anymore. But that seven months later, they are like, oh yeah, I'm in. Right, and then they just you had that moment. Like, imagine the momentum you could have had had you yes. kept with the thing.
0: Right, this is a question that I've I've always been super curious to ask you. And like, we we get deep into like how we perceive time. Time has always been like a big one for me. Like, in your experience, have you seen like a gradual kind of growth in your whether it's earning an income or just like careers and opportunities? Is that been gradual? Have you had massive spurts and then things kind of level off? Like, what has been your experience with that?
1: I think it depends on the nature of what you're doing and how consistent you are with that particular thing. Okay. Uh, for me, it's been massive spurts and like peaks and valleys. Yeah, Um, and it's because of the nature of the stage of life that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. where I'm tasting a lot of different things. Right. When you're tasting a lot of different things. You have big successes and you have times of drought and you have to balance those things. Um, when you're very dedicated on one specific thing, that's when you should ideally be seeing that very, very, very slow hockey stick that goes like this. Interesting. And I think it depends, at least that's been my experience. I think it depends on, on what stage of life you're at. Like, I don't want to optimize my life too early in the mm-hmm. sense of like, uh, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't have the blessing of knowing exactly to a T what it is that I want. Right. Uh, like what, like if I knew for a fact, like all I wanted to do was, you know, go to the NFL or do whatever, be a pilot or do this or that, I would just only be following that one path. And I actually think that's a lot easier. Um, and I think there's a lot of people out there like myself that don't exactly know. They just have a lot of interest and they have to go taste a lot of things. Just the curiosity things. in it.
0: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And like, did you, do you always kind of have like the let's call it entrepreneurial kind of bug or spirit of like running and kind of owning your own company? Like, where did that come from for you?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I, uh, when I was younger, used to mow lawns and do all, like all the basic entrepreneurial stuff, like right. everyone, stories that people tell you, like, I actually was doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. of like, uh, like I, my friend and I would go and knock on doors and say, Hey, can we mow your lawn for $20? We do it all the time, and because we wanted to buy video games or whatever. We yeah, whatever. Right. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yes, I definitely looking back had that. I was always intrigued by money, but mm-hmm. it wasn't money that I was really intrigued by. I'm intrigued by leverage, uh, is Ooh, what I realized. Good distinction. What I, yeah what i What I mean by that is how can I get like the most uh. I guess it's like the, like, how can I set myself up in a way that like, I'm totally free Mm. and, and like the highest, uh, time for money, uh, output so that I can maximize my life in terms of experiences. Hopefully that makes sense. That's kind of a weird way of putting it, but, um, I don't really care as much about money. I care a lot about freedom. I care a lot about my time and how I can leverage, uh, leverage money to do things for me.
0: Dude, that's huge. Cause like, I have noticed as I've progressed from, well, I started as like a owning my own business when I was 19. You no, know, I call it like play business owner. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but I went, same. I, you know, awesome. of yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but like going, it's, it's something that I found interesting of like experiencing sort of like the employee employer relationship. Like that's what I did from 20 to like 22. I had like the full-time job and then going from that to a, kind of client consultant relationship, I just realized the position of leverage of being in a place where I'm not necessarily paid on the, you know, the amount of time that I'm inputting, like I'm being paid based on value now. And in that partnership sort of structure of not having an employer, like they just treat me differently. Like they just don't, you know, they, they Mm -hmm. respect like my ideas, like what I'm bringing to the table. And I, you know, I have positioned myself in a, and what I think of like a place of leverage now where there's, equity and ownership in a business. So now I'm being compensated based on like the, not only just like my value, but just like growth of a, of a business itself, which then yeah. makes me more vo- motivated, which makes me feel more creative, which makes me want to like put more time yeah. and more effort into that. But you know, your, your relationship with money growing up, like, did you, like, did you have to kind of figure it out on your own? Did you
1: just read books? Like, where did that curiosity for you come from? Um, my, my I had a weird dynamic with money. I guess like my background with money growing up because my parents were divorced. So my dad, my dad always had a stable income, but never gave us any money. So oh. my dad, uh, my dad's a special agent uh, for Homeland Security. So he he's always had like a a good job, if right. you will. He's always been well <laughs> well employed. Right. Um. But he's also like like I didn't. I spent more time at my mom's than I did at my dad's growing up. Okay. And yeah, it was just like one of those weird things where it's like, like if if I it's so strange, but it's like if I'm gonna get money from either of my parents, it's a hundred percent gonna be my mom. I've never even asked my dad for <laughs> right. ever. Like he's never like never. There's never even been a thing. Um, and I think the reason why is because so I spent majority of the time at my mom's, meaning she won the court case. Uh we split time. Like I still would go and see my dad. They lived really close and and honestly had an amazing time with divorced parents. Uh, Some people obviously don't, but I, I had a good scenario. Um, Double Christmases for for those. (laughs) Um, No, but I had two loving parents and I felt like I got the best of both of them because they were divorced. I think it would have been terrible if they were together. Uh, But nonetheless, my dad's side, you know, he paid, child support or whatever the deal was and so he always was like no i'm not giving you any money um and also we just never even really asked him because it just was like we already knew the answer um versus my <laughs> mom was like always down to help us out with whatever she possibly could but my mom had like no money right um, so my mom was always struggling uh you know to find jobs or to and, and not not like she's not an amazing person could easily be employed. It wasn't that it was, it was that she followed a career path and she lost all her licensing because she obviously had us kids thought that my dad was going to uh, be the, the breadwinner. Right. They ended up getting divorced. So all of her licensing for social work had expired. So she had a really hard time for a few years, just getting employment. And so, um, and obviously raising us kids like full-time it's like being a single mom is very, very hard. And she did everything she could right for us. Um, So I owe her the world for that, but yeah, I, I definitely had a little bit of uh, I knew, I knew the money situation was scarce on my mom's side, but the thing she did for me that helped the most was she always acted like we were rich. Like she always acted like we were, everything was fine. Right. Like it wasn't that feeling of like I, I knew it wasn't good at times, but she always made it feel like we were okay. She lived outside of her means, even like in the house that we lived in and things like that, just for us to right. feel yeah. like we were in a normal, good scenario, Dude. which was is crazy awesome looking back on. Like yeah. I yeah. can't wait to to spoil her as I, I get <laughs> successful. I love it. Yeah. Um, because that that helped me a lot growing up, but my my relationship, I think, was a understanding of, of those two sides. So I didn't come from a, from um, money by any means, but uh, I definitely got to to understand how how different people acted with it.
0: And was it like your experience with working with the like scaling zero percent or just being in with Oracle and getting deeper into like that sort of arena that helped you expand in that? Cause I mean, you and I have talked about sort of the sequence of like where we think people should go with it. And I want to talk about that, but like, yeah, how did yours like continue to evolve?
1: Yeah. So I thought like, I didn't know people had such differing opinions on money until yeah. really until my, my friend, Jeff, the one that I had started the other company with Jeff's like uh super abundant minded and will like, is not scared to spend money at all. Like, right. especially if he thinks it's going to grow stuff. Yeah. So seeing a friend like that, willing to like, just throw it out there. I was like, wow, okay. This <laughs> is like a different scenario than what I'm used to. So yeah. I was like, it, it was actually really, really cool to, uh, to be able to experience different sides of that. And I, yep. I think I got a lot of benefit out of seeing the way different business owners interact with their own money mm-hmm. um, and, and knowing when to take risk and when to not take risk. Uh, th- there's obviously like a spectrum of like, uh, you know, how how risky people are with their money and, and how frivolous and different things. Um, so it was interesting to see that. I think I've developed my mindset around money over a long period of time. So just different points along the way. Right. Um, but to your point earlier, I think what really helped me was understanding there's being an employee means you, you know, you're a cog in someone's wheel. Right. Uh, right. And you're, is that's not a bad thing either, by the way. Like that, people
0: poo-poo it so much, like an very
1: good place. thing for early people. Like percent. the best way is to go have a good skill yes. to use it to make money. Like that's dude. people should not be shitting on that. And that experience
0: <laughs> is so much more valuable than like the yeah. like salary. you make and like,
1: connections. You dude, make yes. It's a you got to start somewhere. Got to like start that's somewhere. Good, that's the good place to start. And I actually don't think you should skip that. Like I right. tried to skip that, right? And it and it backfired a lot. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, you have an employee and then you have self-employed and self-employed means that you you have that same, maybe it's the same skill or it's a skill that you can go out and you can sell not to one business, but to multiple businesses, perhaps. Mm-hmm. A.K. more um, leverage.
0: You have more leverage now.
1: Exactly. And you've basically bought yourself a job yep. is what you've done. You, right. And you still have to do the work. You're the one doing the work. So you're yep. self-employed, meaning you're the one getting the work and doing the work. But it's not really a business yet because no. it, you're, not, you're not selling something that people need that you're not involved in. Right. That's right. when it goes from employee to self-employed. Self-employed to business is when you own a set of operating systems that that run and produce you cash. Right. That's the best scenario because then yes. <laughs> that, that's how you can maximize the leverage and make a lot of money. Right. But then there's actually a level beyond business owner. So there's employee, self-employed, business owner, and then there's investor, which means you're an investor into businesses and mm-hmm. systems that produce money. Yes, that's even yes. higher leverage. Right. Uh, and then there's actually levels above that that we don't have to get into on this call. But above all of those, there's uh, there's syndications, there's funds, there's ways that you can invest other investors' money into yes. businesses and other things.
0: Which is what something that you're involved in. I definitely do want to what talk I, about it a little bit. But yeah. yeah, let's like just going back a little bit. Like I love the. That distinction, and for me, like I didn't have that first experience of being quote unquote a business owner until my you know uh, experience last year with a partner of scaling a financial financial consulting company as well, because I felt that in let's see 2020 before pandemic times I was in that scenario of I transitioned out of being employed, of having like a full time actual job to being self employed, and it was basically like I was working full time for three or four different clients. And no. I felt it very, very distinctly. Like I am hitting a ceiling and I didn't know what it was at the time. And now looking back on it, I understand that like I was scaling me and my time and that I was only had so much leverage, but yes. like that, there as you go up that ladder, you realize that like what you're leveraging at the beginning, when, when you're self-employed, you're leveraging essentially your time. And then as you become a business owner, you're leveraging labor. And as you're becoming an investor, you're leveraging capital. And like, you're just leveraging different types of things. And that opens up the door for different things. But in your, like, and I'm going through it right now with productizing the service of systems of wealth and experiencing that a little bit. And that's difficult for me because I've always sold me as the marketing consultant operations guy. And it's just like, I do it, it's easy. But now I'm like packaging it up and, you know, it's a much different approach. But when you did that with like 0%, like what's what was your, like, how did you like, what was your experience with just managing kind of the sales ops and prioritizing the service and, you know, scaling that so much? Like what were the kind of the big levers that you guys were pulling to see that success?
1: Yeah, that one's weird because it still had that brand face and that name and there was the coaching involved. And so it was almost like we were like cheating in a way because we were still leveraging the big benefits you get out of selling yourself. Yeah. That, that really was that. the selling point for a right. while. Had, had, you know, Jeff and, and Tyler not been, um, those were the people that were kind of the <clears throat> face of the brand. Yep. Had Jeff not been the face of the brand, uh, it would not have worked, I don't think. In Interesting. My so there was a way that we had still leveraged the face and productized a lot of things around the face, right? And, and still mitigated his time commitment. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's ways to do that, but I still think that's not. Uh, you don't build much enterprise value doing that. And what I mean by enterprise value is the business isn't very sellable because right. it's it's heavy cash still flow and it's very reliant on, on this person. Yeah. So who time. are you going to sell that business to? Right. Okay, so
0: let me ask you this, like in your <clears throat> now that you have been a, <clears throat> like, a, you know, an, involved in that business, and you've scaled your own marketing company with Notabot, and now running the software with piggy banker, like, what is your favorite one to be involved in? Or do you just like the ability to be involved in different ones? Like, how, like and obviously, it's it's requiring different skills. But yeah, well, like, what, what's been your experience with that?
1: Yeah, so not about my marketing company. We started as a service-based business where we were sending personal videos on behalf of businesses, which I loved. And that I was did. our initial like interaction <laughs> together was you helping us with that last year. Yeah. That was so that was when we switched to consulting. I actually didn't scale the service side cuz I couldn't oh, wow. do it. Oh, okay. I, I was not successful enough. At, okay. We we had it up. It was easy to sell and it, and it actually had a good uh very good proposition, but we couldn't get the results that we, we wanted to get for our clients. So we we're okay. like it, it was way too hard to scale. There's so many people involved. Yeah. And it takes so much time to send a good personal video. Right. Um, so we just couldn't figure out the operational complexities there uh, to actually make it work at scale and get results. So we we pivoted to consulting where we would just basically show people how to do what we were doing that worked for us. And that worked a little bit better and it just was kind of a similar business as to what I was in before. and I'm to be honest, got kind of bored of it. Mm. Um and I was like, I keep doing these businesses that are no enterprise value. The, the potential is reliant on me. yes, yes. and and that's like that's, again, we're kind of in that self-employed box. It's right. like it's we're on first base, you know we, we made it out of employee. we're self-employed. <laughs> You know, it's honestly sometimes worse than having a job. Sometimes having a job is better. Yeah, you don't get the yeah. leads.
0: Yeah, you're so, good. So I mean,
1: I was in that weird scenario where I was like, "Dude, these kind of suck." Like, <laughs> and the only way those businesses don't suck is this: it's if you can make a very high leverage use of time for money, and that's what I do nowadays. Is I still use those types of businesses. Yep. So I, I'll use that type of businesses to go do consulting work. Where I can make a high amount of uh, time for my or money for my time. And then what you have to do is you have to know how to deploy that into long term assets that will produce you cash flow that are stable because yes. that work yes. is not stable and it's right. not always going to be there. Yep. But you can make money fast and you can make a lot of it upfront. Yes. So you take that and you, let's say you make 10 grand uh, or 20 grand in that, that month doing that consulting work. Well, now you have, let's say you live on three grand. Now you have 17 grand realistically that you could go put into real estate or you could go put into another business. You could go develop something else with. Um, And that's where I think the leverage is on the self-employed. So you go from employee where you're making money, saving it, you know, your income is capped unless you're in sales. And then you move to self-employed so you can uncap your income, leverage your time better, and then deploy that money elsewhere. Mm. And that's how you can, you can, kind of escape that self-employed bucket right Um, outside of that the only way is to then start a successful business right uh, of which those are very hard to do 100 companies anything with enterprise value like anything that's like legit legit are a little bit harder than you just can't you
0: can't you can't ignore the the (laughs) sequence or like the step in the phase of the system of ownership ownership of assets whether it's like assets that are producing you you know a dividend like you know Yeah. Like, you know, stocks, all that good stuff or ownership of an asset, like a business. Like I don't, as much as like you and I have gone so deep into the, just the world of like wealthy individuals and how people make, you know, obscene, absurd amount of money and become wealthy and rich in their lifetimes. Like it's either through owning, yeah, like a business as an asset or owning, you know, how we define assets, you know, in in normal kind of sense of like a stock and crypto and getting that good kind of good stuff. So there's something that you and I have talked about a lot that I want to just very succinctly put in this podcast. It's something that I've always reflected on that I've always really liked. But again, just to like go back through that sequence of like what you and I've always talked about, like first things first is have skills, be valuable, right? Like that's number one. And then it's like create a business, you know, that you're creating a surplus of capital in our, you know, the best way that I've always done is just, you know, the consulting work, you know, marketing, consulting video editing, graphic design. There's so many ways to do it. It
1: starts with your skills. Like what's a high income skill that and and high income skill also means how much time does it take you to do the thing? Yes. high income is, is a ratio in my opinion. Yeah. Like if you're an investment bank, I have a bunch of friends that are investment bankers that are analysts that work a hundred hours a week and like they're making, yeah. Okay. They make 200, 150 K a year, 200 K a year. And it's like, you think that's balling until you realize that that's all they can do. Right. Can, like that's not really the best, like that's that's two jobs. That's just two regular jobs that are right. working. Right. So yeah.
0: So then yeah, it's, it's skills. It's creating that surplus of capital while still obviously having some parameters and, and like respecting your time a little bit. And then you like taking care of the long-term wealth building, like the basics of just like automating and putting some stuff on automations of just like, maximize like the, again, nothing we say is financial advice and light and, you know, <laughs> with the but like, you know, maximizing that stuff out. And then what you've helped me understand is the asymmetric bet risk kind of taking in a sense of like taking, you know, relative small amounts of money and placing it in places, you know, that could earn you an outsized return. I had never,
1: I like, don't think that's talked about much.
0: No. And we like, we I, I, that was very, not like foreign to me, but actually understanding it and the way that you like increased my own mental like capacity of what I thought was existing or what could be possible. And like the approach to that, because I've always just been very compound interest passive, you know, like just allocate my money and that's, not
1: think that's about all it. people teach if they're talking about investing hundred percent,
0: which like for the most, which is, is
1: for, yeah. Sound if you don't have true. a lot of money, that's the move. fine. You're right. hundred uh, yeah. percent. But
0: you're, if you find yourself in a position where you're, Creating that surplus of capital, yeah. I mean, like, what's? I mean, obviously, you you know the the asset class that we do it in, and that you and I, you know, built a program around, is like with the crypto stuff. But like, what's your? How do you approach your sort of asymmetric bet as you are analyzing a certain project of like the money that you're going to place somewhere? Like, what's your approach to that?
1: Yeah, to break it down so people understand what you're talking about, it's like we have the way we think about it is we we like the best sequence for young people like ourselves that are trying to make a lot of money. Uh, and trying to get freedom as quickly as possible. The sequence is this it's like active income is first. Active income means your job or your self employed or whatever skills you have that make you money. You should be redeploying into active income, like learning more, paying money to learn more skills or to learn them faster. Um, in the beginning of the game, because that's how you're gonna make more money. So yeah. you've got to start with active income. You're the
0: asset in that. <laughs> yes. Like yes, Invest in you. Like you're the don't
1: asset. Don't suck first. So figure <laughs> out how, how to not suck. Right. And then once you're good on that, and you're like, okay, I have marketable skills that are that are high time for money leverage. Then what you do is the next step is you want to take care of the long term investments. Yes. So yeah. long term investments. What I mean by that is very most simple thing you could do, put, I think it's six grand now, put six grand into your Roth IRA. It's tax-free when you retire at 65 yep. or 60, whatever the number is. Put, just max out your Roth IRA. I think it's, you have to have a surplus of like $458 a month to be able to do that, to max out your Roth IRA. Yep. So if you if you have enough money, you're making enough money that you're just scraping an extra six grand a year, you should just put it in your Roth IRA. And mm-hmm. then any other money you make, you need to keep reinvesting back into your active income till you can make more money. Bingo. So Thanks. keep learning more skills until you can surpass that. What you should then do after you've taken care of your long-term, if you if you can't do that, by the way, if you are not at the stage where you can invest six grand a year into your Roth IRA, go back to step one. Yeah, keep keep investing money. <laughs> keep and, working. And you, Keep yeah. trying to increase your earning potential. Yeah. again, first. put
0: all of that back into yourself until, like, yeah, until
1: you, you, you until know, you reach the first surplus mark, which is six yep. grand a year. Once okay. you reach the six grand a year mark and you've taken care, you've covered that future self that's retiring when you're sixty. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's step one. But what most people don't consider after that is, what if you don't want to be rich when you're sixty-five? What if you want to be free when you're forty? Now, yes, or yes. in the next eight years right. or the next 10 years or the right. next 15 years. Everybody's goals are different. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. But I think a lot of people just neglect, okay, you've already taken care of your future self. If you just have six grand in a Roth IRA uh, and you start when you're 22 or 25 and you let it go to your 60 or 65, you're going to have somewhere between like one and $4 million in an account. Yeah, sitting there, in there to yeah. retire. So like, 100%. you're going to be fine. Um, so again, you've taken care of the long-term, always do that first, that way you can make bets. So that brings us into the next category goes active long-term. And then you have, uh, asymmetric bets. And the reason we put this one next, there's one more bucket I'll talk about, but the reason we put this one next is because this one is skippable. If you're, if you have no risk tolerance and you're like, Mm. look, I just, I only like want to play the super long game. You can skip this bucket. But this is the bucket asymmetric bets means high, high reward with as little risk as possible. It's also a ratio asymmetric doesn't mean go take crazy amount of risk asymmetric means you have the potential to make high rewards with relatively low risk. Hmm. So that's the only way you find those opportunities. People are like, well, how does that exist? You always hear high risk, high reward, uh, low risk, low reward. Like that's typically the name of the game. The way you find asymmetric bets that are high risk or or, sorry, high reward and low risk is by having more knowledge about a certain particular area or space than anybody else has. You have have to have an unfair advantage of knowledge or something that gives you an edge where people don't know as much about this as you do. And that's why you're so comfortable making this particular bet,
0: which is another form of leverage in that sense, like in that sense, it's knowledge.
1: Exactly. And you can find these asymmetric bets, one, by being very involved in a particular area. So usually the high income skills that you you keep re-leveraging into and you keep reinvesting into, those skills usually lend you to, to learn about those asymmetric bets that you can put. Yes. Um, but what I mean by that is like, if you have an opportunity where you can take 10 grand and you could put it into a startup or you could put it into crypto or you could put it into uh you know, some real estate deal, or you could put it into buying a connection from someone that could give you something. Right. Those are all asymmetric bets where that 10 grand, let's say that 10 grand has the potential to turn into a million dollars. That's crazy, insane potential, right? Like that's, you're not going to get that out of any regular off the wall, uh, off the shelf investment. Right. But those do exist out there. And I think everybody should be hunting for those. Um, and in trying to create more of those opportunities, because the, what's the worst th- case that can happen? Let's say you invest in some crypto you think is going to do really well, and you put ten grand in. The ten grand's not life-changing money to you, but it goes to zero. Okay, that sucks. But ten grand going to zero for the potential upside mm. of it being at a million is worth making that bet every single time. Uh-huh. At least for me, it is because right. I want to be rich when I'm younger <laughs> than when right. I'm older. Yep. So. All you need is one asymmetric bet over the course of your life to pan out for you to be completely financially free forever. Yes. The second the asymmetric bet plays out, you then take the risk off the table and diversify into yeah. all the other stabilize right. stable assets that produce you cash flow over the long term. Yep. So that's the general game plan. And then after the asymmetric bets, you have passive cash flow investing, which is like you're buying equity in businesses, you're buying long term real estate, you're buying. um. Uh, dividend stocks, you're buying very long-term things that are safe, stable, going to produce you cash for the very long-term. And that's how you build real wealth is that last bucket. But the asymmetric bet is your, it's your ignition switch to get to your freedom, your number of financial freedom way faster.
0: Dude, that was so beautiful. And like, seriously, I think that's where a lot of people struggle is just like, <clears throat> they had this idea of being I want to be a millionaire. I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy, but it's it's not defined. There's not really a clear path that we know what to take, and so just laying it out that way, like it it gives me confidence. Like I this is what I'm I'm actively already doing this, but it gives me like confidence of knowing what I'm doing. It gives me just like peace and a little bit more harmony in my life. And then what I loved about it so much is like I then come back to my active income streams. So I think where people get struggle is like they they see the term passive income, especially with online, It's like build this passive income online business opportunity sort of thing. And it's like, I don't want my business to be passive. Like I work is the goal. Like, yeah, it's the move. It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, but I do, but I do think that like, there is some sort of um, like, there's a balance or a harmony between financial independence or freedom, whatever you want to call it being a real destination of like, where you get to the point where your passive income exceeds your monthly expenses. And like the, mm-hmm. the yield is paying for the taxes on that as well. Like you're completely, you know, completely like self-sustaining. And that obviously is a divine des- you know destination that we can all get to. And that number obviously looks different, but it's for sure a feeling where you can get to a point where you're like, I am completely in control of my time, my location, what I work on, who I work with. And that like, I don't need to sacrifice like that over the long term, just to get to this point where, like, I'm delaying myself, of like, I'm going to be rich. It's just like, you don't really want the yeah, money don't in the account.
1: Stuff you hate for that, yeah, that no. idea. Of doing stuff you hate right now, uh, th- there's a balance between this, but doing, like, broadly speaking, for the next 10 years, if I do something I hate for the idea of doing nothing later on is a dumb idea. It's not <laughs> the move. It's not the move. Now, there's a, now I'm not saying like, you obviously have to do stuff you don't like. There's that's stuff just that's, no, yeah, that's, that's a just, yeah, that's part of that's just part that's of the part game. of every, And a quick side note on that, like with football, like when I made it on the football team, it was hard as shit. Oh, of the course, the rest of the time, absolutely, it was never. Like there were times where I was super depressed on the team. Yeah, right. You're in camp and you're dying. There, like, there are things you want to do in life that are hard. and Yes. And But would I have rather been anywhere else than on that team? No, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing at that point in my life. And yes, it was hard. And my brother and I have talked about this before, where he had a different scenario. Like he was a pilot. He was in flight school. Mm -hmm. He achieved like this crazy stuff about making it all the way through the Air Force to where he was at. And he got to the point where he was about to have to sign a 10-year contract. Like literally the thing we're talking about, 10-year contract to fly uh, he ended up having to fly heavies, and he, it was it was going to be something he didn't want to do. And to to back out in a scenario like that, and to go choose your own happiness over what was laid out before you as supposed to be your path, mm-hmm. is takes a lot of balls. It takes more balls to do that and go and go the other way. Dude, yes. Um, and so my brother made that decision to to not not go down a ten year path that he, that wouldn't make him happy in life after right. experiencing the things he experienced. So. There's, there's a balance to both sides of that story. Um, but you know, doing stuff you just deliberately don't like at all and has no value for you just to make money to at some point in the future be free, the feeling you're chasing is freedom. And people don't realize that they can get that feeling right now today, right this second. Mm. The reason like Noah, the reason both of us want a ton of money is because in our heads, once we have a ton of money, we're going to get this magic moment of the shackles are off. There's right. this freedom feeling of yeah. like, And wow, then I can do this. I'm right. free and now I can do this. Yes. The thing is, just think about the feeling that you want of that. And you can already get that feeling. Already right have it now.
0: now. Yes. Life hacks.
1: You got the feeling <laughs> and you could just go do whatever you want. Like you, yeah. no one's stopping you from no. already doing whatever you
0: want. 100%. Like when you really liberate yourself and let go of those constraints, like you really do understand that like, man, I'm in total. And like, I know that's a little... I don't know, you and I obviously really truly believe in like manifesting the subconscious and like all of that, like kind of, I wouldn't call it woo, but just some of the stuff that like, obviously isn't yeah. super tactical that like, you know, most entrepreneurs aren't going to yeah. you know dive into, but like that stuff exists. It's real. Like the energy that you and I give, you know, like back and forth with each other when we're on like coaching calls, whatever it might be like that stuff exists. It's real. And I, yeah, I mean like all of those those thoughts, like the things that we tell ourselves on an only day, like that stuff compounds, it has a, it always will appear in your, in your realistic
1: physical life. For, for people that don't want to believe in like anything that's woo woo either. There's, there's stuff like natural laws. Like there's a, there's one person that described it to me like this one time. They're like, look, everything like they, they like were convincing me that there's no such thing as luck. This was their pitch. They were like, okay. there is no such thing that that exists. There's only cause and effect and the reason you think there's luck on certain things is because there's a bunch of causes that you don't see that create mm. effects that you don't understand because you forgot the cause of them or you don't know the cause of them. Hmm. So he's like, everything has this cause and effect relationship. Wow. And he was basically saying like, like all the energy you put out, all the things you do, all the actions you take, everything has its effect, but you just don't, you can't correlate what the, the cause was to the effect. And right. sometimes way later on, it's like, it's like, you know, an example of this is if I, if I asked you like, what did you eat four weeks ago on Wednesday for lunch? It's going to be pretty hard for you to remember what that was. Right. But then if you look in the mirror six months from now, hmm. that had a, an effect on that. Oh,
0: wow. Very well put. That's really interesting. Jeez. Jeez. Okay. I got another question for you. Like, you know, part of, and we haven't really totally touched on it yet, but I think a big part of Growth as an entrepreneur is networking and being around the right people. Like you said, like when you were around Jeff, like, you know, that was the first time that like you saw somebody being so abundant with money. And I had the same experience when I moved to Vegas in, in 2020 when I was around Danny, who was doing 100K a month in his agency. I'd never been around somebody that was legitimately operating a seven figure business. And I got to see and live with him and really like experience what that was like. And so, and I know when you, you know, you and I talked about this um, recently when you went to the investor conference in Vegas and you were around some of these very high net worth, and yeah, like high net worth, crazy high net worth individuals. Like, and there was something that, like you expanded on it for a little bit you know, with me, but like, I want to ask you, like what in your take, like when you were around people like that, like a billionaire or someone that's managing a hundred million dollars in like a hedge fund or something like that, like what is the biggest difference between like a six figure, seven figure entrepreneur and someone that is operating at that level? Or is just like, what, what do you see as like, what's their difference? Like how do they approach it?
1: Dude, most of the time, it's, it's the games that people are playing. Like, like hmm. they don't like. Oh wow! The entrepreneurs don't don't think big enough. Which it sounds so corny and weird to say that, but I literally mean that with like the most sincer- sincerity that I can. Like, I talked to a real estate investor, and he literally this is the example he gave me. He said I had a single family portfolio for a very long time. That's all I did. I did single family. It's what I knew. Right. It's like what I thought I could achieve. So this is like what I was doing. He was like, it's the same difficulty to do a single family deal as it is to do a $100 million, $60 million deal. It takes the same amount of effort, energy, life force, like focus. It takes the same amount of stuff to make that successful as it does to make one of these big ones work out. And he's like, what people don't realize is that like, you just like, you're playing the game too small like Hmm. you need to go and try to play the bigger game and usually once people have the taste of that success then it works that's why you always see people go up step by step and then they slowly make it there and that makes it makes logical sense to their brain and most people don't want to operate outside of the logic thinking that i could just go somehow get get involved in a hundred million dollar deal how would i do that there's no way that that's possible but I can assure you that that is a possible yes, thing, right? It's just like your your mind has to be tuned to that level of opportunity. yeah, and yes you had to have put in the work. You have to know uh, you have to make connections with people. You have to get, you know, uh, you have to you have to be able to present yourself in such a way that um, you can bring value to something at that level. there's so many like little things you can do, but it is possible to to have a leap where you, you know, all it takes is one big deal. Like what's stopping you from like reaching out to a guy that runs a fund that runs a billion dollar real estate fund and somehow getting that person's attention and doing one deal with this guy over Hmm. his life. Just one deal. Like what's stopping you from trying to somehow Find a way to be of value to that specific person, whether that's bring a deal to him, uh, whether that's bring a, investors to, to raise money for him, some way to bring value to him. Um, and then, you know, try to work yourself into a deal. It's like, there's nothing stopping anyone from doing that. It's just, they just don't think it's possible. Right. They don't try. For I'm people. not
0: good enough. Yeah. I don't know where to get started. I don't know what to do. And they yeah. just, nobody. And then, I mean, like, so if it's you, yeah,
1: go ahead. Easier to start small.
0: Right. Yeah, 100%. Start <laughs> it's you got really I, you not gotta start. the
1: same. It's the yeah. same level of effort. It's <laughs> just as hard to start yes, small. That is like true. I think
0: uh I think Fromosi said it in one of his videos like it takes the same amount of effort to run a small business as it does like, you know, a big business and I was just like, "Oh man." Like I it's it's funny because it takes you like stretching your own mental capacity to get to exiting out of like taking the risk of like exiting out of a business to like being self-employed and running your own thing, right? Like that already yes. is challenging. But it's it, funny to think about it at every step of the way of an entrepreneur of like, I think that like, you know, I'm I'm, you know, I was able to build like a six-figure consulting business. It's like, I'm still thinking so small. Like you get like hot, you know, hyped and happy about it. And you're like, oh man, when I get around you or these other guys, I'm just like, oh man, like I still am really, really playing such a small game. And it's really just my own mind.
1: And so there's a there's a balance, right? Like it's 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 balancing your mind and knowing the way that your mind works because to some people like, Oh yeah, I can just do a hundred million dollar deal or whatever. It's like, that doesn't even seem possible for them. And so what I challenge people to do, it's the same small steps you have to take. And I hmm. haven't done one of those deals either. So I'm in the same boat. Like I still have to do, I still have to do these myself. Right. Um, But I, I think they're possible. That's the difference. So it's the same small steps. Like in order to start a business, you have to go and do step number one. You have to find, a, you know, you have to write the offer up. You got to get on a sales call with someone. You got to pitch them. You got to close them. You got to get the deal inked. You got to convince someone of this. You got to do this. It's all those tiny little steps. You can start with all those tiny little steps, but have a way bigger vision in mind. Mm-hmm. And like do those tiny little steps, but for a way higher leverage opportunity. Wow. So that's the difference. It's all the same tiny little steps to get something done. But the, the way, the opportunity vehicle that you're going after yes, or the, yes. uh, yeah, just the, the people you're trying to reach out to. I had this epiphany because I did marketing and I was doing lead generation, meaning I was sending one-on-one personal videos to get leads for people's businesses that were worth maybe a thousand bucks. And so I'm sending, I'm putting all this energy into it and I wasn't really excited about sending the video because I was like, what's the best case scenario that's going to happen? This hmm. person's going to get on a call. They're going to be a $1,000 client for this other client. that's not even my client. Yeah. It's hard to get excited about doing that. Right. But all of a sudden, if you change that from, if I can get a hold of this person, there's a chance I can get oh, 1% equity in a $100 million real estate deal. Hmm. That could make you way more excited, wow. change your energy, and all of a sudden now wow. making makes a lot more sense Dude, yes. and i started realizing that why am i sending videos that aren't the highest leverage videos i could send most people on the internet right now won't do this but if you wrote a list of a hundred people down of the top most like high leverage people you could reach out to these are people that aren't necessarily famous you want people with high net worths that are less famous that you can get a hold of that's the yep. sweet spot right um and you made a list of them, hundred of them, and you made them a video asking for anything they're working on, how you could be a value and earn equity in the upside of it. You made a video to all hundred of those people. I guarantee, with with almost one hundred percent certainty, one of them would have gone back, and you'd be in a situation like that.
0: Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> Seriously, but that's nobody's amazing. gonna do that. Nobody's no, I know. It's
1: not even I wouldn't do it. But <laughs> I would do. I I do do that. I just haven't done a hundred in one list. Right. Like a deal I'm working right now is because of doing that. So it definitely works. It's just how much sheer uh, willpower do you want to you wanna put into it?
0: Man, oh man. This is I said it from the top. You are someone that I definitely, that inspires me, that motivates me, someone that I just think like you approach and you live like, in my opinion, the right way. Like I just, I love your approach. I've always just tried to adopt it and weave yeah. it into like the way that I approach things too. I really, really just value that so much. Um, one last question I want to leave you with who are like some of your, like, you know, who are some of the biggest kind of mentors, um, you know, and, and people that like have had a big impact on you over your, over your experience in your career.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, let me think real quick. I'll just bullet point, throw people out there that have listened a lot to that. I think have, have steered me in the right direction. Obviously, my family first. So, like my my grandpa, my mom, and my dad, and my grandma.
0: I love so that you started there.
1: That crew is like um, very very tight knit. And then I would say my brother as well. Yep. Uh, me and him are like very on the same wavelength and a lot of stuff. He's like my best friend. So that's. That's very important. I think those people have, have like really given me a good foundation hmm. um, but I can't take everything from them if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, there are <laughs> definitely things around money and other things that I don't listen to them at all about of course. Um, I listen to them about specific things that they're all yeah take from
0: that's the role they play um, in your life of course
1: yeah and so other things though like I've learned a ton about relationships and family and and like how i want to future raise my kids and stuff this sounds weird but from jesse itzler Mm -hmm. um, and as well as business like he's probably my my go-to for how i think about business and thinking big and and doing that so jesse's been a massive is he
0: a billionaire he's a billionaire right
1: uh yeah his wife is a billionaire uh, that's gracious i think jesse probably is yeah jesse's probably a billionaire crushing (laughs) that's (laughs) amazing was worth like several hundred million on his own, but his wife's also a billionaire. So they're just Man. both crazy. Russian. It's like, dude, yeah, he he's somebody that I really admire because the way he lives his life.
0: Yes, yeah. love uh,
1: it. Super inspiring. So Jesse, um, Chad Wright, who I also mm-hmm. kind of found semi through Jesse. Uh, Chad Wright's a Navy SEAL, ultra marathon runner. I've learned a ton about mindset and mental toughness through him. Learned a ton about mental toughness through my football coaches um, through those, those experiences there, um, running a hundred miles. I got all that advice from Chad basically. Um, and then I would say other ones, sad, sad guru is Mm a, is a big one for me. I'm going on a hike. Um, I would say Eckhart Tolle, Alan Watts, Neville Goddard, and, um, I would probably also say Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe, Uh, of course. um, Tom Bilyeu, I listen to a lot. Um, Rogan, I like (laughs) Rogan because I like the way he lives his life as well. Um, And then, yeah, I I would say there's like other people that I look up to, um, but more of looking up Gary Vee, Warren Buffett, those types of people. Yep. Um, more of like looking up to them and, and admiring kind of what they've done, um, and been able to build.
0: I love it, dude. I love that. Like, you're just, you're a, you're a lifelong learner and you expose yourself to so many different, like capacity, like capacities of what you want to be learning and just taking in. And like, you just, what I've always loved about, obviously I'm a big reader and like stuff like that is like, you can just, you can take, you can be connected to people that like, especially with like the internet now, like there's so much leverage with the amount of education and what we consume. And I think it's just so important to be aware of the the things that you're bringing in and the things that you're consuming and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, and again, I, I would also
1: say the Bible real quick and nice. and like Jesus, Christ, like the teachings from that. Like a lot of people, whether you're religious or not, I I think it's uh, like I've studied quite a few different texts just to not studied, but I've I've tried to dabble and watch videos about different things just yeah. to to broaden my horizons. But I will I will say that has Awesome tried and true truths in it that stories that are amazing, parables that are like super, super awesome. So uh if someone like doesn't have hasn't gone that route at all, I would, I would recommend that as well.
0: Oh, I love that. I mean, that's a big foundation of to me too. I mean, my name is Noah and my middle name is Joseph. Like that was, yeah. <laughs> like that's a, it <laughs> that is a big part of my foundation. And um, like you and I could keep talking for hours. I don't want to take up too much of you more of your time. Well, for sure. I want to have you back. I mean, we still, we didn't even really get to go too deep into like our love for crypto and all that good stuff. Like there's so much more that I want to explore with you and we'll for sure have you back, but Um, Again, Clay, thank you so much for your time for all the value that you dropped on the episode today. This was amazing. Um, I'm still new to this, but I think hopefully I'll get this right. Please like, and subscribe subscribe,
1: and comment comment
0: below, comment below. And if you are listening on any of your podcast platforms, please follow and leave us a review. I didn't say that in the last one, please leave us a review. Review. I think that's the main things you can do on that. Um, But everyone
1: on social media. (laughs) got to do all the hit all the buttons the more buttons hit all the can. buttons and I'll,
0: I'll link piggy banker in the description for anybody that wants to see more about uh, clay's finance tracker um, i'm a user big fan of it so um, again clay thank you so much for joining us everyone that watched listen thank you for your time effort energy attention i really appreciate it and we will see you guys in the next episode thank you thank you all love you peace